Okay, hello. We're on. My name is Rich Ryan. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast. Today, my guest is Mike Bailey. And so Mike went from a runner to a powerlifter, and now he's back to running at an extremely high level. So Mike has learned a lot about both disciplines, and now he is a trainer and coach helping athletes both get strong and fast. So in the episode, we talk about how to adapt your training to the weight room routine based on your race schedule. We talk about the nuance of how important it is for runners to train their upper back and thoracic spine and some specific moves you can add to your own routine. And we also touch on how to structure some key workouts and how they differ from road to ultras to OCR, all of which Mike has tackled. So he's super smart. He's also a great athlete, and there's a lot of awesome takeaways in this one. So we're going to talk a lot about strength training in this podcast. But before we really dive into it, uh, I want to talk to you about the upcoming offseason. And the offseason can be a time where you can put a focus on strength training because during the season, your time can be limited. But I found a major problem is that athletes just don't really have the time, uh, not really sure what movements or style of training is going to work best. And without the accountability, it's really easy to skip strength training and just go out for running or just do the things that you've done in the past. And so I know it's difficult to find time to implement a proper strength training plan. So we sat down and we're excited that we came up with something that will help all these problems. And we're going to be offering a coaching program that will give you the confidence to do the training that will actually make you stronger and faster. So in the coaching program, you'll get workouts designed for runners and obstacle course race athletes specifically. You'll get video direction to make sure that you're learning proper form and that you're getting the desired benefit from the actual workouts. You will get mobility workouts to keep you strong and flexible. Most important, you'll have a live coach who will implement the plan to keep you accountable. And we are offering two strength training coaching options. One is specifically for the runner and one is for the obstacle course race athlete. And we're running a short-term promo for the coaching program at just $19 a month. So you can lock in your spot with this price with the link in the show notes, or you can stick around to the end of the episode and we'll give you a chance to get your first month for free. And as always, hit us up if you have any questions about the program or about coaching. Great. All right. Here's our podcast episode with Mike Bailey. Dude, I appreciate you taking the time joining me today. You know, I've been following your progress for a while and I'm excited to kind of deep do a deep dive into that brain of yours and just kind of talk about training and, and some of the coaching that you're doing and some of your own uh, training and progressions. But uh, before we dive into it, just tell people a little bit more about who you are as an athlete and as a coach. Yeah, so I actually got started in the fitness training for sports when I was in high school started training when I was 14 started lifting and all that stuff and then I actually switched over to running because I, f- I found I had a, a talent for that I um, switched over to that when I was a junior in high school went on to run at Charleston Southern University in South Carolina at track and field battled injuries for you know a couple years and then decided that you know maybe it was time to you know to, to move on to different things and so I focused on school and actually over the next few years competed in powerlifting. Not many people know that. I spent a lot of time just getting as strong as I possibly could. Then I herniated two discs in my low back and that was pretty much into the, into that. And then it's like that's just like the powerlifting story. It's like I powerlifted and then I got really hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I had to stop. Exactly, yeah. And then so then I started to, you know, I, I did what I could and I started to actually fall back in love with with running. And then that was about 3 years ago and and I felt, you know, called to enjoy the trails and, and just kind of, cause I grew up doing all the, 
you know, the track races and the cross country races. And so I wanted to get out into, into, into nature and just enjoy running as much, as much as I could. And so I, I did that and, and did some OCR races along the way. And basically just going back and forth, I learned a lot of stuff, you know, from lifting and running and, and, and just super grateful that I was able to experience all those things and then pour into uh, my clients uh, that I, the best I could. So taking what I've learned from me personally, also then working eight years as a coach, I've been coaching for eight years. I, I ran a, own a business, uh, a fitness business for four years. And so just all that combined, I, I've learned a lot over the eight years and just, just love coaching and helping people. So, yeah. And that's the way you were approaching it coming from running at a high level and then actually competing and diving into powerlifting, an actual weightlifting sport is an, is a really un, unique thing that you have to your name. Cause most runners who end up, learning about strength training. They just do it as like a necessity or they just do it as something that they could say that they can kind of guide people toward. But for the most part, running coaches don't know anything about weightlifting. Yeah. Right. And, and I knew you were strong, but I didn't, I didn't know you actually had that background in weightlifting. How did you get into not weightlifting, powerlifting? How did you get into the, the powerlifting? Yeah. So I'm one of those people that I like, when I do something, I like, I go all in. Right. And so so I, I pretty much, you know, quit running. I, I stopped running and I started lifting. So I went from, you know, running seven days a week to like, hey, I'm going to lift, you know, six days a week and just see how big and strong I can get and just push myself in this direction. And that kind of just over time started over the course of a year or two, you know, starting with the classic like, oh, I'm going to bodybuild um, type stuff. And then then started really falling in love with the squat and deadlift particularly and just like, man, I wonder how much weight I can actually, you know, move and, and how much my, my body can progress in this way. And so that's what kind of led me to to powerlifting. And then I spent the next, you know, a couple of years just trying to to push those lifts up. Yeah. So that's that's how I kind of got into it. And most people, they do get into the gym for aesthetics, right? It's like yeah. back and buys, you know, chest day, that's Monday, yep. you bench, you know, you go into it for, for like better words to like look better. You know, that's why most people do end up there. But for you, you took it to that next level, right? And like kind of the same way that you had done for endurance. I mean, it's different when you're coming through like a high school or collegiate program because like you just are put in competition. Yeah. But even if you, if you, as you've come back to it, you wanted to do it at a high level. What is that just a common thread throughout whatever you're going to be doing? Like if you're going to do something, are you going to figure out how to do it the best? Yeah, exactly. That's, that. that's me. Yeah. So if I, if I'm all... I'm all in on everything I do. It's like if I, if I'm going to spend the time and really, you know, try something out, I'm going to go 100% at it no matter what I'm doing. It could be in the gym, it could be fitness, it could be just something in life. That's just the way that I'm, the way that I'm wired. And so, it was just a natural progression, you know, from exploring, okay, you know, here's lifting, you know, but how good can I get at this lifting? Like if I'm going to do it and I'm going to spend 6 days a week an hour plus in the gym, like I don't want to just be, you know, dicking around. I want to be, you know, I want to see how good I can get. And so that just kind of naturally progressed into like, okay, well, I don't necessarily want to focus on aesthetics. I just want to see, like, I'm all about performance. So I was like, how, how much can I push my body to, you know, to get stronger and to, to be, you know, move away as efficiently as possible. So, yeah. And I feel like a lot of listeners who are, are, 
listening to the show in particular are a similar way, right? Like they're, they're, they're trying to get different things out of their training. They're trying to learn things from people like you to put into their own training so they can figure out the best way to do it so they can get a little bit better. And basically just to like maximize the potential that they have. And that's an awesome quality as a coach, right? Like you can understand that mindset and yeah. kind of dive right into it and then take away the practical pieces and be able to show people how to actually get better at these things. So you're not, a, you're not a, particularly big dude yeah what, what were some of your lifts yeah so i competed at 148 okay so what I'm, do you weigh now like you don't do you weigh even that much now no 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 yeah so i i'm i fluctuate between like depending on where i'm at in like a training cycle between like 135 to 145 just depends on where i'm at so so I'm, I'm a little bit lighter but i got all the way up to 165 i tried the 165 class but i didn't like being there it was it, it felt it was it was horrible. I didn't, Were you getting like powerlifter big? Because I'm sure it wasn't 165 on your frame. It probably wasn't just jacked muscle. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So I was I definitely had for the first time in my life, yeah, some of that power belly, some of that, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no, this isn't me. I'm gonna go back down to to 148. But yeah, so at 148, I hit 385 uh, squat, 465 deadlift, and 295 bench. Wow. So, yeah. Nice. So and out of those. I mean, the squat to deadlift ratio seems right. It seems like pretty much right on. Was one lift better than the other for you? I preferred uh, deadlift. I just like, you know, you know, it's, it's simple. It's like, okay, here's a, you know, weight on the ground. Just, you know, pick it up and just see how much weight you can move. And so I just like the the raw, like, simplicity of it. So that, that was my favorite lift. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. And just to sound like a wuss here, it's just like less scary. It <laughs> it's just yeah. like scarier. It is. Yeah. I mean, you can, have you, have you seen videos of, of powerlifters probably like, you know, falling at the bottom of their squat and like, you know, that's some, some things can really happen there. So it's really, yeah, really bad. And I'll like <laughs> record myself doing squats and it feels like I'm grinding so hard to get it up, up and down. And it like, it doesn't look, it like looks kind of smooth and easy when I'm doing it, but when I'm, when I'm feeling, it doesn't feel that way. And then I think about the powerlifters who are actually grinding it out and how they must feel underneath that weight. I'm like, Oh, it takes oh, a lot yeah. of confidence. Just get under that bar and, and it, just hope that you don't get squashed. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. There's, there's lots of times where I was like, Oh man, I don't like, I don't know if I'm even like during the middle of the squat, like, you know, sometimes that, that unconfidence or whatever, you know, crept in and you're like, I don't know if I can stand up and, but you just, you know, got to grind it out like you're saying, man. So, yeah. What would be like a piece of advice for learning how to squat heavy that you would give for somebody? Because like I said, it's, it's scary. And I think a lot of times runners or even obstacle course race athletes, they may, when working in actual power, like where would you find that people would benefit the most from like what is one like one or two things that you think people could really put into practice for their squat to make it better yeah so i'm actually a big fan of uh, box squats and so especially like is there's just something about having the box there and like knowing that you know you're all you have you're going down to this box and you're able to come come back up there's just something about that that's it gives you more confidence than just like, okay, it's just me and the bar, you know, there's, a, there's an added element in there. And it, it, for most people, it makes them feel more confident that they're going to be able to get back up. So that'd be, that'd be my first thing is like, as you're starting to get into those heavy weights, like maybe start with a box before, you know, you're going into, you know, more of a free traditional style. And the other thing is just like, you, you gotta, you gotta do it. Like the, like you're not going to get comfortable with it until you actually do it. So like, 
you got to get used to those singles and those doubles. You know, the the ones that are that are frightening is you know, yeah, those heavy those heavy singles, man. There's there's the only way you can get can get better at them, get used to them is is just you know is doing it. And there was a, there's plenty of times, especially when I was first getting started, where I had that roadblock. I I didn't you know for like two months almost like it, I didn't make any progress on my back squat because I was scared to do that weight and to like I don't know if I can do this like. But the first time I did it, first time I nailed it. Finally, then I then I made a massive breakthrough, and I and my back squat shot up shot up like twenty five thirty pounds, just like that because of, I broke through the mental barrier. So I would just say, get in there and, and just and try. Like you, you're never gonna be able to do it until you try. So I think about those barriers sometimes, and, and I've been thinking about it a lot more in terms of time, in terms of like pacing recently. But it's the same in the gym, really. Like these numbers, there's there's nothing there's no pun on this, but there's no weight. These, these numbers don't carry any weight They're Like if you stripped away the numbers, it would still be the same thing on the ground. So sometimes people get stuck on, Oh my God, it's 200 now, or oh, it's 300 now. Yeah. Was that what it was like for you? Or was it like you failed at a number and you were like, that sucked. I, I don't know if I can do this. What yeah, was no, the barrier there? No, yeah. It was, it was like you're saying the number. So I think it was uh, the first time that I was going for, uh, 250 i think i was like this is like it was right after you know pretty soon after i stopped running it was i was really starting to get into to piloting so it's kind of the beginning of the journey and it was just that something about that number it was like daunting to me and but then once i finally hit it like i was like oh i can actually do this and you know i and then just adding you know five pounds oh i can do that and just gaining that confidence slowly and 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 just making those jumps slowly and, and just continuing to build on that i think the the less that you can the less that you can miss, the more confidence you're going to have. And so like doing weights that you're able to handle, but they're challenging, uh, I think is super important. So, hmm. yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I was just thinking like, I've actually, I feel good that I know how to get out of it. So I've practiced dumping the bar in the past, you know, mm-hmm. just like getting out of the way and just throwing it back behind my back. But it does make sense to like, when it gets on your back, just know that you can handle it and yeah. not like go too crazy. Yeah. Um, cool i like that and, and the box squat and the purpose i like the idea of the box squat right like giving somebody that thing to aim for they're there and they, they can you know step back up it gives it like a little bit of confidence yeah but a box squat for an advanced lifter like that is more f- that helps what when you're at like a dead stop it just helps the power production at, at one, one place is that that's kind of idea behind a box squat yeah 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 so you would do it yeah to you know work if you're your weaknesses for most people at the bottom of the squat, it's going to be like, Hey, you know, you're, you're, you're starting back up from a dead stop instead of getting that bounce out of the bottom. So it's going to strengthen that, that sticking point most of the time. And then for also, I like them too, cause it's, you know, a lot of people tend to be, you know, quad dominant squatters, which is not a bad thing, but if you want to hit the posterior more, I like the, you know, the, the box squat to hit the posterior chain a little bit more and sitting back hips, a little further. Yeah. Hips get back. So yeah, that makes sense. And, and I, I suppose like if people are missing squats out of the hole, they probably lose that chance to work that squat from say, you know, your knees are at 90 degrees or whatever, where the box would be and then up. So I suppose it's a chance to work that part of the lift as well. Right? Yeah, for sure. So, so like you're saying, like, so most people, when they, when they bottom out in a the squat, they're going to get a little bit of a rebound up. All right. And if they miss it, most of the time it's going to be right at parallel or, or right around that area. So if you put the box right at that, you know, you find where that point is that you're struggling that that sticking point and you put the box right at that level and um, you're able to 
you know, use a little bit wider, lighter weight, but then you're, you're going to work on strengthening that exact sticking point. So then next time you try that weight without the box, the goal then is to, you know, be strong enough now to be able to handle that weight to get up and, you know, progress the squat. Right. And yeah. also kind of reduces the range of motion, right? So you shouldn't feel as sore or it shouldn't beat you up as bad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I like that. It's a good call for, for something, especially if you're starting to really play around with weights or getting that bar on your back. So I want to talk a little bit more about the about Run Republic. And yeah. it seems like a pretty cool concept. And when I was looking into it, and correct me if I'm wrong, just from what, what I saw, it's a retail store, right? But also a fitness studio. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so it's actually, it's crazy. I, I've always had kind of that idea in my head like that would be really cool to do like there's like there's all these running stories and all these fitness studios and like people come in to you know buy shoes obviously if they're buying shoes they have fitness goals they're they're training for something right and so like you could use that to you know to to build the fitness side of things and and and, and vice versa people in fitness need shoes and so like it just it, it makes sense it goes together and so then when i when i found this place i was like oh somebody is doing it this is amazing like yeah, so there's like a there's a retail side of things or you know we sell shoes all different, you know, all different brands, running shoes, fitness shoes. We have, you know, typical running store, you know, supplies like supplements and, you know, attire and, you know, vests and all that different stuff. But then yeah, we have the the fitness side where we have, you know, group training, personal training. Throughout the week we have a community run on Saturdays. So yeah, it's just it's an it's an awesome it's an awesome community because of you know, everything kind of works together and it's, you know, so. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Cause like I've, as a trainer, you know, I've thought about opening some sort of studio that would be running focus, you know, like reinforced running studio for yeah. whatever, but I feel like it's the tough sell to, to two runners for them to join a gym to improve their running. I mean, runners, they just like running, right? So to have something away from it. And so from a profitability standpoint, it seems like it would be hard to justify something like that that'd be so narrowed in on runners even though it's a big market like i I don't know what the demand is for necessarily small group classes on its own Mm -hmm. but having the like the the front end be retail to kind of offset that and then being able to build a community around both those aspects it's just i feel like that's how they should all be (laughs) (laughs) yeah a lot of these running stores you know they have group runs like the the store i used to work at aardvark up in bethlehem shouts to aardvark they had a little annex and they would do like core classes or you know like post run stretching but it was it wasn't intentional it wasn't specific it probably wasn't that helpful it was just like something that they could use if they if they needed so like what is it like there for like what are the classes or or what does the training piece look like yeah so i mean majority of our clientele is and runners that you know, have come in and found the store because of, you know, the, the retail side of things. But then we also have, it's not just runners. So we have people who are, you know, general fitness, who just want to lose some weight, want to get stronger. And so there is a, there is a variety of different clientele. And I, I train, you know, runners and I also train people who aren't interested in running, who just want to get, get stronger and lose weight. And so, so we have both of those options available. And then, yeah, for as far as group training, you know, we have different classes where, you know, we have like, you know, cardio classes that, you know, help lose weight help just that the general public is going to enjoy but we also have you know strength training and and we are looking to start a we don't have yet but we're looking to start a uh, runner specific class where we're going to focus a little bit more on 
that side of things and, and, and cater exactly to the, the runners. So yeah, it's just, so there's a, there's a wide variety of clientele, even though it is a running store, it still has that typical, you know, gym, you know, clientele that you see. Yeah. And that's, that's fair. When even considering when working at a running store, it, it wasn't every person who walked in the door was a competitive runner training for 5Ks. You know, that they're mostly people like general population who yeah. just need a good pair of shoes and they need to trust the source of that. Yeah. So it makes sense that like, it still leads the same way. It's like, okay, I trust people with my the footwear I'm putting on. It's like, oh, I have this studio here. Yeah. And do they, do they just like intertwine the marketing that way? Or like in terms of pulling people in? Like, how do they find people? Is it just literally people who come to the door and it's like, hey, there's this thing over here. You want to check it out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, yes, yeah, so we're pretty active on social media. We have uh, Instagram. It's We Run Republic. And so we're, we're really active there. We promote both sides of things, both the, you know, the the shoes, the apparel, but also the, the fitness side of things. And, you know, each of our coaches promotes as well. And so there's just – social media is, is a big, big thing for us. And we put a lot of time and effort. We do a lot of – Geography and you know photography but yeah then we also just get people like oh yeah I, i've been going to this you know grocery store that's right beside you for you know for two years and i saw and i finally came in and so you know i'm, I'm here and so yeah we get we get traffic drive by too but you know social media is our main presence of, of marketing so yeah and, and so when these runners or non-runners or people are like the, the people who you're working with who are coming in and yeah. this is a big reason why I did want to chat with you because you are in front of people, right? You're, you're seeing people and you know, when you're there in that circumstance, you can kind of see like general things kind of emerge across the population. Right. And I was just curious to see like what type of issues or limitations that you found as a trainer that, you know, these runners or the people who are coming in who want help, like what are the things that you're helping with the most for them? You mean as far as like like what their goals are? Is that what you're more along the lines of like what like what can't they do? Like is it a hard like is everyone because runners they always say like oh you're gonna have weak glutes right that's always mm -hmm. something that runners say or you're gonna have like tight hamstrings yeah is there something along those lines that you found from the anatomy standpoint that almost across the board you're like all right we're gonna need to work on this and need to kind of like strengthen it up or or work on movement pieces. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, core and upper back. I, you know, most of the people that you, that we're going to see are, tend to have a job where they're going to sit a lot or they're at home and, and, and there's a lot of sedentary, you know, things going on. And so people, when you're sedentary and you're sitting a lot, you know, your core, your abs, your glutes, low backs and it gets uh, weaker. You're, and then we tend to, we have these cell phones in front of us. We tend to be hunched over on our computer, on our phones. And so that upper back becomes uh, really weak, and then the thoracic spine loses a little mobility. And so, <laughs> I know that man, the thoracic's crazy. Yeah, and so, so yeah, across the board, pretty much ninety nine percent of people that I see, like that's you know, those are the two areas that probably need the most work. And so we're going to spend a lot of time strengthening the the abs, the the glutes, the you know, the low back, the the upper back, uh, working on that thoracic mobility. And then, and then beyond that, everybody has their own, you know, things they need to work on, goals, weak, different weaknesses. But across the board, that, I would say those are probably the two most common for sure. I'd like to talk about the upper back and the thoracic a little bit because it doesn't seem as intuitive. I think most people would say like, yeah, of course, core is important. Like glutes, let's train those. Like running's with our legs, so like let's train our legs. But yeah, with the upper back and the thoracic, like 
like like you said, just the lifestyle that people have, their shoulders are going to be hunched forward. And even as runners, we end up being forward and just gravity is mm-hmm. constantly just pulling things forward for us. So like it does end up extremely tight. And I know when I first started to do like overhead mobility or like overhead squats, it was a disaster. It took forever to even be able to do just an empty barbell of overhead squats. So what are some things that you do to help open up that thoracic? So for people, because I think people might not even know their limitations. Like when you are working on people and you try to figure out like Mm -hmm. if they are limited up overhead or in their thoracic, like what are some of the indicators that you're looking for? Yeah. So like you said, some of the indicators I'm looking for is that rounded shoulder posture, uh, forward head posture, the, you know, how, how well you're able to rotate, you know, to the right or to the left and how well you can, you know, stand up straight. Those are, those are some of the indicators. And, and what we want to do is, you know, once we assess those things is we want to restore, you know, proper shoulder blade function. So we want to strengthen those, those muscles that, that restore, you know, proper shoulder blade function. So we're going to work on, you know, like the rhomboids, the, you know, the lower traps, the, some of the, the, some of the other muscles around the shoulder blades. But then we also want to work on that thoracic mobility in particular. So doing things like thoracic rotations, thoracic extensions, before we jump into any type of, you know, like overhead squat or anything that we would do overhead. Like I always, we want to be safe to press overhead before we start to press overhead. And that's something that I always, you know, make sure that my, my clients are getting. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And, and like, so the thoracic rotations is a simple, like it's really just kind of turning as wide as you can and kind of opening things up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So doing like, there's things called like open books or windmills. Those are like two of my favorites that I like to do. And yeah, it's just working on that that thoracic rotation. And so a lot of times you'll find that one side is a little bit tired than the other. So we might pay attention to that side a little bit, a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something I would recommend if you haven't spent any time there, just trying to do some of those um, book openers and trying to figure out like how that feels and how limited that space is. I know I will actually, I can like feel it like when I'm walking around, if I'm like hunched over too much, like it, it is literally something that I need to think about opening back up, like band pull aparts or something that I like to do mm-hmm. whenever I have a chance, just like trying to open things up and trying to pull those shoulder blades back. Um, and the lower traps, that was a good one to mention. Cause that's like kind of like in your middle back, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so that'd be like right kind of underneath the, to the bottom of like your shoulder blade area. So like, so like right in the, right in the middle of your back is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, if you try, like that is like, try to f- like flex that. Like if you're just sitting here like and trying to flex yeah. that, you probably it's have hard. no idea how to even do, do it. Right. Yeah. Trying to get any type of strengthening back there is tough. Do you have anything off the top of your head to help get that mid back lower trap? Yeah. So I like 45 degree wall slides. So you'll start with your hands kind of about shoulder width. And then as you slide up the wall, so you're facing the wall. And as you slide up the wall, your hands go out about 45 degrees. And then from there, you're going to get, then we're going to attract the shoulder blades and you pull the hands back and that's going to flex that low trap. And you just slide back down to that starting position at your shoulders. Just make sure you go out 45 degrees and then retract. And that's going to hit those just to teach the engagement of what it feels like, you know, to, to engage that muscle. And then from there, you know, I like to do, Things like laying flat on a bench or in the prone position and then doing an overhead like low trap raise. Then a really light, you know, start with just your hand, but then maybe progress three, five, eight, whatever pounds 
that's uh, kind of coming out in like a Y position, right? Yep, exactly. That 45 degree angle. Again, that's going to hit that low trap as you retract the shoulder blade. And yeah, literally work with like twos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's it's not going to start really super light. Yeah. <laughs> or, else, or else something else is going to be doing the work and not hitting the, the low trap that we want to hit. So yeah. And these are also beneficial for, I know my back used to light up like crazy when doing like carries, like a, uh, a bucket carry, for example, maybe not as much anymore, but when we had to carry things out in front mm-hmm. and that, that mid back, low back would definitely get lit up. So this is definitely has really good function for the obstacle course race athlete to try to strengthen that mid back yeah. and like not with deadlifts or any, I mean, that those, those help, but mm-hmm. trying to get the, that, those, why those prone wise dealt lower trap raises. Those are good ones. Yeah. 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 We're going to get that muscle to, to, to fire correctly first. And then like, all the additional stuff that you're talking about is going to be even more beneficial because it's firing the way that it should be. So yeah, I think like just getting it to fire correctly is going to help across the board and everything you're doing. So yeah, that's a good point. So would you work like when that accessory work, is that something that is later in the workout or would you put something like that before a big lift to actually work on like potentially activation as opposed to just gaining strength over time? Yeah. Or where would you kind of recommend people put something of like this upper back work in? Yeah, I like to do it during the warm up actually, just to help, you know, before you're not fatigued, you're able to really focus in on what you're doing and then just get everything activated as you go into that main lift. And it's going to help, you know, activating prior is going to help it strengthen through those deadlifts and everything you're talking about too. So, yeah, I would throw it at the beginning yeah. is my recommendation. Totally. When you, when you, it's, because that's going to end up being like a lot of mind muscle connection, like trying to really focus in on activating these areas that, you, you don't necessarily do all the time. Yeah. And later in the workout, it might just be fatigued and going through the motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does your strength training look like now that you're back into the competitive running scene, the ultra scene, the OCR scene, what does that look like for you in terms of your own training versus maybe some of the the newer people that are coming in off the, off the street? Yeah. So it, it really depends. My training fluctuates quite a bit. Just depends on where I'm at in the cycle, what race is coming up next. Both of those things play a big role. So I, I, I flip back and forth between trail, road, OCR. So it really depends on what I'm doing and how much emphasis I'm putting on, how much volume I'm putting in running versus strength training. So like a road race or an ultra trail, I'm going to be doing a lot more running volume. You know, strength training is going to take a little bit of a backseat to that, but I'm still doing it every single week. Whereas if I'm getting ready for an OCR race, there's, that's going to you know flip a little bit where I'm going to be doing a lot more strength training and my running volume is going to come down running intensity is going to go up. So it really just depends on where I'm at in, in the cycle or what race is coming up. But, Mm -hmm. and are you focusing, like, say you're going into an obstacle course race event? Yeah. Uh, What does that typically look like? Are you doing two sessions a week, three sessions a week? Are they, and like, what's that intensity look like versus volume and things? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times I'm, when I'm getting ready for OCR, I've just come off like a, a road or a trail race. And so my running volume would have been pretty high. And so I have that 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 running base. And so I, I cut back uh, quite a bit. I'm still running, you know, you know, five to seven days a week. It's just the, you know, the volumes cut down. And so I'm able to focus in more getting stronger, getting that strength back that um, in the gym that I tend to lose just a little bit, focusing on running only. And so I'll spend a lot of time just you know, the, the basics like squat and deadlifts, I'll, I'll do that, you know, a couple of times a week, just getting in the full body strong, but then I'll focus in on more like, you know, pull-ups and grip strength and carries and things that are OCR specific and spend a lot of time doing that. Cause you know, when you're just, when you're running, 
you're not doing SCR, you don't use your your grip in your hands. And so those things yeah. tend to get pretty weak um, pretty fast. And so it just takes a little time to get get back at it. And so I like to to hammer those those things getting ready for an OCR race. It's funny even getting back into the gym and working on grip stuff, like the skin on my hands is like yeah. soft. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even like hang on this bar long enough to get a good workout. Yeah. It's a whole lost thing with just running. Yep. And yeah, so that makes sense. Like having some sort of strength base always in place and like a running base. And then so when yeah. you're able to, whatever event you're you're getting ready for, you can really kind of hone in on the specifics, right? So like, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and going back to like, you know, volume versus intensity, like most of the time when I'm doing, you know, a road or a trail race, I'll be lifting two days a week is pretty standard. Mm. Um, I don't really ever go below two days a week. And so just because I value strength training so much. And so, but then, then getting ready for an OCR race, I'll bump it up to three, maybe in four days a week. And so like at the beginning, I'll even do like, if I'm doing like four, four days a week, I'll, I'll even do like a classic, like lower upper split and, and really, you know, hammer things hard in strength training. And then as I get closer to the race, I'll cut it back to three days, like full body getting ready for an OCR race. Whereas when I'm just training for running most of the time, it's two days a week, full body, you know, like 20, 25 sets and, and I'm done. So, yeah. And there's, are these going to be a lot more of the power lifts still? Is that going to be the crux of the programming, whether it's two or four? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a big believer in the the squat and deadlift and just the overall like strength and power they develop. And you know, there's been there's been lots of times I can advocate for strength training. You know, keeping keeping your speed without even doing speed work. And there's lots of times where I just because of that power production that it, that it creates. And there's lots of time I'll go you know training for you know a 50 mile race. I'll go you know some you know three, four months without doing like track work. And I'll come back to the track afterwards, do my first speed session. And I'm still hitting two hundreds at like the same speed that I normally hit them. My speed endurance isn't there, but, (laughs) but my overall, but my overall, like, you know, speed is still there because of, you know, the, the strength training I'm doing and the power production training. So, yeah. And that's a really important distinction because there does need to be specificity. Like if you're able to do two hundreds and 30 seconds coming out of the gym, like it doesn't mean you're going to be able to hold that for an 800, how you might be able to with specific training around the 800. Exactly. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up because it is a power to weight ratio endeavor, right? We're out here, like the more power we can generate with each step, the more we can propel ourselves forward, but there does need to be specific times where you're putting that in place so that the endurance can carry you through. Exactly. Um, probably not going to happen in the gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Specificity is, is king. So for sure. Yep. Yeah. So you had that cool challenge. Did you, are you, are you still going after that? The fourteen four one. So I, I was an M. Okay. But I, <laughs> <laughs> so two weeks ago, actually today, two weeks ago from today, I was running and I, I was, you know, at, at trailheads, they typically have like gates and stuff yeah. that, you know, block traffic, but pedestrian stuff can go on. So I was, running and just like I've done like a hundred times I was running to I jumped over it and my my foot clipped the the gate and I fell directly on my my diaphragm and rib region and I think I 
cracked one of my ribs. So I haven't oh, been able to no. run in like two weeks. So yeah, it's been, it's been brutal, but yeah, it's like, it was one, it wasn't one of those ones, you know, where you fall, you're like running on trail and you like fall and you kind of like skid forward. Like this was like a fall and just, I like splatted, like just directly on my diaphragm, knocked the wind out of me. They were like, yeah, dude, one time I was playing hoops and I, I went up, shot a floater. Don't remember went in, probably went in. But I, a dude hit me with like a forearm as I was coming down, like right in my ribs. It hurt so bad. I couldn't do anything for weeks. And then I went to like the doctor. I was like, this is broken. And they're like, no, it's not broken. I was like, what does a broken rib feel like? Like yeah. I had a bruise on my ribs and I was out of commission. I can't imagine breaking a rib. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, yeah, I don't know for sure either. I haven't been to the doctor. It's It's pretty painful. I haven't. I haven't been able to sleep very well. Like laying down is like the worst, like getting up from laying down, going to lay down just constantly throughout the night. Like anytime I move, I just like, ah, and it wakes me up. But so it's yeah. been, been brutal. I do. I'm doing what I can right now. I can't run any type of impact. It just, it hurts pretty bad. But That's my nightmare getting hurt <laughs> and having it getting hurt. Well, like doing a non-running activity, you were running. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I tripped. And, yeah. Running injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. I can't. Yeah, I still joke that like, yeah, I got hurt. I just, I was, just, I just tripped and fell. And uh, we'll put that on the back burner. But that fourteen four one yeah. challenge. Tell us a little bit about that one, because this, because a lot of these challenges have floated around. This one, like when I saw you kind of put this one out there, I was like, oh, that's actually one that I think I could get after. So what, what yeah. exactly was it? Yeah. So the the challenge was to deadlift over 400 pounds and run a sub 15 minute 5k so 14 whatever or faster whatever not me but faster than 15 minute 5k and under an hour so basically just like lift you know deadlifting over 400 and then immediately going to the track running a running a 5k knocking it out underneath 15 minutes that was the, that was the goal and still is the goal so yeah i love that where were you where like what needed work like both things yeah yeah i would say i was probably more ready to run the sub 15 5k than i was the 400 pound deadlift but i but i knew because i have lifted that much before like getting back to that that previous level of strength would come a little bit quicker than getting there initially and so so i I, that was what needed the most work and so that i can continue to i need to add i think i need to add a few pounds to be able to (laughs) to get that yeah i don't know we'll see but yeah i think i was in shape ready to go for the 5k it was just a matter of getting the the lift up to where it needed to be so yeah because that'd be the same for me like when my biggest lift i was like i was like a 375 for a double and this was like two or three years ago when i was doing like some sort of set progression i don't even know how fast i was then not sub 15 fast so i was thinking about that i was like man that'd be that'd be interesting to try to train for that like how would you how would you train to get stronger for deadlifts while staying fast? Like what, like how much volume can you put in on that kind of lift? And like, what other type of like accessory stuff are you trying to do around that? So, and, but still give yourself time to train enough so that you can run that. That would be a PR 5k too, right? Yes. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Right. So like that's serious training to, to get as fast as you've ever been in a 5k in a really, really good time and get stronger like how are you trying to split that up yeah so i'm a big believer in making hard days hard easy days easy and so the goal was to compound like hey i'm gonna hit a track workout and my lift in the same day and then i'm gonna take two days to recover and i'm gonna do it again and the goal of the the strength training was like 
I don't, I don't care about strengthening anything else. Like my whole focus is getting my deadlift over 400 pounds. So like, I, so like I was eliminating anything that needed to be, you know, needed to be present other than what was, you know, specifically for strengthening deadlift. And I was, I'm a, I'm a sumo deadlift puller. That's where I'm strongest. And so I was doing a lot of stuff to, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, box squats hitting that posterior, you know, so I wasn't just deadlifting, but I was doing other movements like the, like a box squat that mimic and strengthen the same muscles as I would for some deadlift and doing, so, you know, doing things that strengthen the low back, the glutes, the hamstrings, and just being super specific in my strength training and then making sure that I'm getting ample recovery by making sure that I recover on my days. So I'm not like, I don't want to, I don't want to run hard one day, lift hard the next day. And then I only have one day recovery. I want to get everything in that's hard on one day and I want to take two days to recover. So I'm able to have, cause it takes a lot of mental energy to do both a uh, hard lift and a hard uh, running workout in the same day. And so and a lot of time and a lot of time for sure. And so, yeah, so I wanted to, you know, my recovery days to be as, you know, minimal on my nervous system as I could and just keeping everything, you know, flat, easy, and then just really going hard, you know, a couple of times a week. So, yeah. Yeah. How was it going? Was it, were you seeing gains? Yeah. Yeah. So I was up to hit 335 for four. So I was, so I was, I was progressing you know, I started a little bit more of the moderate rep range and I was progressing down to the heavier weights and I got interrupted because of this rib, but, but yeah. So yeah, the challenge is like, so I, I was coming off of a pretty big running block. And so I had a lot of running fitness kind of in the bank. And so I cut, I cut back on my, my running volume. And and so that seemed to the intensity a little bit more. So I was did, so I was coming off of a block of about four, months straight where I was averaging um, right about a hundred miles a week with about about nice. seven to eight thousand feet of gain each week and so I had a lot of aerobic fitness wow. in the bank and so it was just more about like okay I need to get my legs moving quick on the track and so so it, so like I said it all it all I, I'm a big big believer in you know your previous your current cycle builds off your pre, your previous cycle and what you did um, there and so like that's going to influence what you're doing in the future. And then your current cycle is going to influence the next one. And so it all builds off of each other. And so just realizing where your strengths are at currently and what you need the most work in, and then, you know, you know, working on those, those weaknesses that are going to get you to your goal. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the time you can get back at that. Cause I was, I was like, when would I have a chance to do that? Cause I'm going to try to put a, together a nice strength block after November. I'm doing this OCR stars thing. When that's done, I'm going to like, see about actually working to get that deadlift stronger by yeah really bringing the the reps down and working on really high weight for a while just to see what happens and maybe have some fill in with some volume and just figure that out how to get like actually strong because that's something that i've never put a whole lot of time into and i don't think many runners really would have done an extended cycle not even like an eight week cycle on deadlift like i'm talking like six months Mm -hmm. of deadlift work I'd imagine most runners aren't doing something like that. So I'd be interested to see like how strong you can, did you have a timeline on it or were you just like when I'm ready, I'm ready. So yeah, I mean, it was more when I'm ready, when I'm ready, I was, I had in the back of my mind, maybe I could get it done by the end of the year, but I, that's not going to happen now. So that's definitely going to be a, a goal for next year for sure. I, I think I can get it done, you know, next year. And I think it's, you know, too, it'll pay off for, I think some, some OCR racing as well. Uh, yeah, at least we'll find see. out. We'll see. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at with it in OCR. It's like, how 
how much would that help me? And I run, I'm like a, a flatlander. And it's like, if I get really, really strong, like, will that help my climbing or am I just wasting my time because of the specificity not being there? Like, I'm sure again, it would help to climb up some of the mountain, but like, I'm not quite sure how much a 400 pound deadlift would actually help me. So I might as well lift 400 pounds and <laughs> yeah, find yeah, exactly. out. you never know until you find it, until you try it. So yeah. <laughs> That's, that's what I'm thinking. So, so you're very open and sharing about your faith with the public and it seems to be a really big part of your life. And, you know, over the years, this seems to be a thread on some of the best distance runners that we have, like Ryan Hall comes to mind, another runner who's also now yoked. So like, how does your faith help you in, in training and during races? And like, how do you feel like it helps you and the people you coach and, and being outspoken about everything? Yeah, I, I think it, it keeps me grounded and to, to know what's like, you know, to me, what's really important at the end of the day. And so like not letting, you know, you know, race results or, you know, training or anything else, you know, define who I am and, and, you know, knowing, you know, where my, you know, my identity lies. And I think that's a, a big part of it. And so it kind of just helps keep me level headed and, and keep my head on straight and, and just, you know, keep confidence that, you know, as, as long as you're doing your best and, you know, you're, you're, you're helping others that like, that's, that's all you can do and, and just let you know, things fall where they, you know, may and just have faith that everything's going to work together for the, for the greater good. So that's what keeps me, you know, keeps me grounded. And yeah. So. And is that something like we talked about, right? I think even before we came on is like the mindset of like never quitting and like, is this something you need to talk yourself in and out of? And is that something that comes all lines with your faith as well is it always present in what you're doing or is it that kind of reminder of of keeping your head level or or what is that how does that kind of play out in like your day-to-day yeah i would say i I try to try to keep it um present in what i'm doing as much as i can and and just like i said just remembering you know what, what really matters at the end of the day and you know just you know be, you know, sh- shining and that light and, and, and being an example for others. And, and just, you know, so it helps keep me, you know, just grounded, like I say, and level headed, but also just helping other people too. So, yeah. Right. And that's kind of what you're at your, as a trainer, you are here at, yeah, as a service, exactly. right? Like you're here to yeah. serve, to help people. And like, this is just another really cool way to, to just keep that message on point so yeah, on brand. Sure. <laughs> Do you think it helps like the performance of things or is it beyond? I, I think it's, I think it's beyond that. I mean, it might keep me, you know, more confident knowing, you know, like I said, that there's just less pressure that I tend to put on myself to perform because I, mm. I, I know that like, like I said, that like my identity doesn't, doesn't lie in, you know, my performance. And so it just kind of takes pressure off and it allows me to relax. And so, so that in itself, you know, taking pressure off and allow yourself to relax, that will help performance. So, so I would say indirectly, yeah, it could. So it does. Yeah. It seems like it's a matter of, of, of trust yeah. at that point, right? Like in feeling a calm sense because yeah, having your identity wrapped up in performance, it just, yeah. It can't be that positive, especially when th- like things won't. I can't imagine things are going to go well. I know when I've fallen into those type of patterns, it always kind of yeah. backfired on me, right? Like it's not, it's not a, a sustainable way to perform well or to, you know, be exactly. happy. So like having that reminder there and just being able to kind of keep the the greater picture of what yeah. actually matters. Yeah, exactly. That always- seems to totally sure. make sense. Yeah, you hit it on the head there, man. So I agree, hundred percent. 
Cool. Yeah. And that, cause you, you hear that a lot in, in, in athletes, like I said, Brian Hall was another one who, who's extremely outspoken and was always, always gave credit to his faith as in his performance. So I feel like that is a, a an interesting aspect of approach when it comes to performance. And like I said, it's not yeah. about performance when we're talking yeah. about faith, but it is something that it's just interesting to me to kind of like talk, talk yeah, about and touch yeah. on. And I, I would add too that, like that, that I know that I've been obviously, you know, blessed, you know, with some, you know, physical ability. And, and so I, I see it as a, as a vehicle to, you know, to kind of spread that, that faith a little bit. And so I know I've been given this ability for a reason and, and, and I want to use it um, to the best of my ability, you know, so I can spread that. So, yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, using the platform, using exactly. what you have to yeah, spread that kind sure. of message. Nice. So cool. When we first met, we met at the, the tougher yeah. mutter in, at the Midwest championships, 2018, that was a thing that actually <laughs> yeah. existed. Tough mutter. I think most people just like missed this. Like tough mutter had a competitive series in 2018 and they had regional championships and they paid out yeah, a shitload of yep. money. It was awesome. So I did want, and that year I couldn't do Tahoe. So I was like, all right, well I can do this world championship that's in Seattle. So I'll just make sure I go to all these other championship or all the other, whatever races are local and do these so I can prepare for this yeah. championship race. And the race we, we met on where it was in Chicago and it was the same weekend as West Virginia for Spartan. So there was literally yeah. nobody there, <laughs> nobody there at all. And I don't feel like I was dodging competition may have come out that way, but I had my reasons, but I, so I, I didn't recognize anybody at the start line. And I was like, Oh my God, literally no one's here. But then like you came up next to me at the start line. We probably chatted for like two seconds. And then we, we were out and racing and then, you know, we, we pretty much raced the entire time and you had uh, a good lead on me with about two miles left. And at the time, I think that was actually your first OCR yeah, event, yep. right? So that was the first OCR event. So like the obstacles were they giving were. you trouble. And, and usually I was the one doing terrible on obstacles and catching up people and catching up to people on the runs. So when this was happening to me, I would pass you on obstacles and you pass me on the run. I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> I don't even know where I am right now. But yeah, so since then, I, I, I you know, been following you and trying to follow your progress. And I figured like the results are really going to skyrocket from there. But the, the transition is not always that easy because like when you go on your your ultra sign up page, like you have some good credentials in the ultra world. Like you win trail races. You like do really well in like 50Ks. So, but the transition to OCR hasn't seemed to have been as seamless for you so like what do you think has been one of those things that has been the hardest moving from you know a high-end endurance athlete who's also super strong like what's missing for ocr yeah i i would say just you know work on the obstacles and familiarity with those and so like yeah so the the, the first race that i did like you said i failed funky monkey was the one i failed uh, because i wasn't even aware that that the at the end they have that little orange bar there. Oh, yeah, no, you didn't, didn't even see, see the bar. The bar. <laughs> so, yeah, I just dropped. And so, so like, there's only so much you can do on YouTube, you know, and seeing those things and then remembering it, you know, in the race. Um, when you're in a race situation, is it's hard to remember those things that you watch, you know, just on a YouTube video. And so, just getting out there and like doing the obstacles and like it's hard, even in SoCal, it's hard to find a gym or a place that I can go like do these replica obstacles or just get practice on them without like, going on to a race. And, you know, as you know, and you know, this, this past year, there wasn't many races, so I wasn't able to practice. And so 
Yeah. So it's just going to, it's still going to be a learning curve, just learning those obstacles, learning the, the, the technique, but also the efficient technique. So I'm not losing huge chunks of time at these obstacles and trying to make it up on the run, like you're, like you're saying. And so, yeah, I think the, the learning curve is just, I just have to continue that and, and get out there. So. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said about experience. And that was something I pushed back on when coming into OCR from a traditional endurance background. It's like, okay, race, like, and then you, you train, for several months and then you mm-hmm. race again because they race like yeah. every freaking weekend they race two times a weekend and like really it does help them learn how to do the obstacles and how to be efficient through transitions and like little tips and tricks to to make it better so do you feel the obstacles make you more tired uh yeah yeah especially yeah some of those like twister and things like that i still just not i'm just not super familiar with like what's the best way to get across and so you know i tend to like okay well I don't know the best way. And so I'm just going to go eat every single one. And it's just, it takes a lot of time, a lot of grip and just, you know, so yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm losing a lot of time at the obstacles. And so I, I just want to get out there. And, and like you're saying, like there's something to getting out there and racing more frequently and just being sharp on those obstacles and being able to, to, be able to get through them quickly. So you're not losing a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the yeah. about it. Just like that. It just sucks that you have yeah. to race a bunch. It's like, Oh, well I want to put yeah. it all out there and I want to recover and come back at yeah, it. That's and, how I tend to look at, you know, races is like, I, I was, you know, I, I tend to like, okay, I'm going to have this huge training block and I'm going to get super fit and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to race this one race and then I'm going to do it again. Right. And so like I'll race, you know, only so many times a year, I'm not used to going out there like every other weekend or even once a month, like that's still pretty frequent to me. And so like, that's just something that, but I, I feel that I need to do in order to get better at these obstacles and, and, and get more efficient at them. So. And, and when, when, for, for when I would just try to prepare for a race, it would, I wanted everything to be right. I wanted to feel really good. I wanted to be tapered. I want things to, I want my fitness to be at, like its peak and my fatigue be like just low enough that I'm feeling right on. But in, in what I found in obstacle course racing is that that, that that doesn't really matter that much. Like you can kind of feel like shit some days and still race really well, just because the race is so, is such a disaster. You know, it's just like, there's so many different elements that just go wrong that you kind of end up feeling terrible anyway. So like how you feel at the starting line doesn't matter as much as say, obviously a, ro- a road race for sure. But even like, like a longer trail or something like that, it's like, you can just kind of do okay in an obstacle course race under yeah. fatigue. But for me, it was really hard to to get past that and to try to race more often and racing like back-to-back days was never yeah. something I wanted to do, but it's just, it just kind of yeah, helps. Yeah. So I, I've always wondered like how are these guys, they, they race Saturday and come back race Sunday. Like I've never done that. You know, like how, how is that possible? But like you're saying, like you can just, you can go out there and, 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 and suck it up and, and get through the race and, and do okay and like i've shown up all these races like feeling really good like oh i just put in three months of work i'm super fit like my running fitness is there but then you, you know you're underperform where you think you should because you know you're not as sharp on the obstacles and you're losing positions here and losing position there and so yeah i think there is merit definitely to getting out there more often and just yeah i know as much of a bummer <laughs> as it is yeah. uh, yep. hold on one second it got really dark in here <laughs> There. Yeah. Cause you mentioned you kind of go, you do kind of bounce yeah. around, right? You'll do some OCR, you do some trail, you'll do some, some ultra stuff. So what is the goal? Like what are you, when you are looking at a season or when you're, you're taking in scope of your, you know, just your career at, 
as a whole in, in endurance sports, like what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. I mean, I just love, I love trying things and just like pushing myself and just seeing like, all right, you know, this seems hard. This seems daunting. Like I want to go out there and see what I'm made of and see what I'm able to do. And so, yeah, that's led me to do, you know, some, some OCR stuff, road races, trying all different distances. I, I've raced everything from a mile to, to 50 mile doing things like, you know, even like a 15 K just like odd distances, just to like get out there and just see like, okay, how fast can I do this distance? Or, you know, you know, how much, you know, vertical gain can I get in a week? Just different things that just cha- continue to challenge myself and put myself out there. And, and just at the end of the day, I just want to challenge myself mentally, physically in every way possible. And just, I know that at the end of that, I'm going to come out a stronger person, you know? And so I just, I just, I just love trying different things. And so like, if there's different endurance sports that pop up, I'm going to give them a try. You know, I'm, I plan on giving uh, high rocks a try just to see what it's like. And nice. Yeah. And so I just, I just love trying different things and challenging myself in different ways. And so, so, so I, throughout a season I'll plan like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to, you know, start the year doing some road races and I'll transition to like trail and then maybe I'll finish with OCR. Um, just progressing like that. You know, I, I try not to mix it up too much, but you know, don't, bounce around from one thing to the next each month, you know, then it's hard to create a training program that's going to logically progress and get you better year after year, you know, bouncing around like a ping pong ball. But so I try to have some logic to what I'm doing, but I like to try different uh, sports and different events and different things. So, yeah. 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 Cause it, like how we mentioned how you're kind of wired, it's like, if you're going to do it, you're going to, you're going to yeah. do it. Right. So like, it makes sense to have a progression that leads into it where, I feel like some of the goal, like it, this was something that was hard for me to wrap my brain around for people as well. Cause I identify more with you on that end, but sometimes people are just like, okay, cool road mile this week, next week trail 50 mm-hmm. K. Cause there's that's in town. They, so they have that same mentality, but it doesn't, it's not designed around the improvement. Mm-hmm. It is designed around like their desire to do these events or just to like, just to yeah. see, yeah. you know? And like, I was, I, I used to really just hate that idea as like, why would you just do this and just do poorly at all of these things? Like, why is that a thing? But it's yeah, just different exactly. goals. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like, oh yeah, but and I get it. You want to get out there and test yeah. where you are and see, and see what kind what kind of person, yeah. what kind what you're made of, what you can do in a 50, yeah. a 50 K trail. You know, like that just as long as you're getting after it, you know, week after week, like, like that's what matters the most. And so like, like, yes, it's ideal to have, you know, logic to your programming. And like, we want that to be able to see progress, you know, if you want to see progress year after year and month after month, but like just getting after, I love people that just want to get after all the time. And, and like, so I, I definitely commend that. So, yeah, totally. As long as you don't, as long as you're not frustrated when you're <laughs> exactly, not getting better. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you know that you're racing all sorts of different weird stuff and doing dumb stuff in training yeah. won't get you better, yeah. but it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't help but to kind of tie it back to just like the way you're kind of approaching this. And, you know, I I envy that to a point because I do get really kind of tied in. It's like, okay, now I'm an OCR athlete, so I'm only going to do OCR, right? Like, and I, I might be missing pieces that I would prefer to do. And I've given myself some grace on that recently. Like, okay, like I like running on the road, so I'm going to do some road races. That's just like, I'm going to do it, even though it might not really help the goal of an, an obstacle course race athlete, but I'd like to do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go after that, but it's like, like you said, like not having yourself tied to one specific thing, having the greater cause above it 
allows you to do that type of cool stuff because that's never in like, okay, well now I'm a trail runner. So I only do trails. It's like, it's like it allows you to just not be tied to it and just go out and do yeah, whatever exactly, you want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the, the, you know, freedom that, that, that brings. And like, you know, just because yeah, you're focused on, you know, trail running, you know, doesn't mean that you can't go do these other things or you can't incorporate some of that training into your training to, to, you know, free up some of that, maybe that, boredom and monotony that sets in with training for one thing and mixing up can be you know beneficial to you know even for the the single sport that you're training just because of you know keeping you mentally engaged and mentally fresh so yeah 100 what, what's your favorite like distance or, or or is everything you're doing like whatever's in front of you your favorite or is there or do you really like the trails do you really like the ultra distance do you really like OCR? do you really like powerlifting like What's like your oh, ultimate man. jam? I, I really like the half marathon distance. Yeah. Really? Just because it's short enough where I don't have to intake anything, right? But long enough yeah. where I can still use – I'm more aerobically strong. That's That would be my like my strength as a runner. And so it is still still caters a little bit to my, you know, my, my strengths. I'm lacking in, in speed in some areas. And so, yeah, I like – half marathon seems like the perfect distance to me where – I don't have to worry about fuel like I do for ultras because that can, you know, you can be super fit, but if you're struggling putting fuel in, you can wreck your race. And so, so I, I, I just like the half marathon distance. Yeah. It's a good test yeah. of fitness. Cause like I said, it's like, it's not so fast that you can just burn yeah. yourself up and it's not so slow that you can just, there's other things outside of your fitness that yeah. factor into it. It's just like a good, that's how I'm with it. For some reason, I just run 10 milers more than half marathons. I've, I've never yeah. raced a half, but I've raced a 10 like gotcha. a bunch of times. But um, same kind of thing. Like it's like when you start, yeah, you feel yeah. okay. Yeah. It feels like a tempo. And like know? it doesn't start. Yeah, yeah. It's like fine. Like, oh, okay. I, I'm breathing. Yeah. This is cool. But like you do 5Ks, even 10Ks. Too fast. Yeah. 10K is like the worst. Hurts really bad. <laughs> it's the 5K, but twice as long. It's like, yeah. you what? How am I supposed to yeah. even do it? Half marathon distance. That's interesting. What's your half PR? Uh, one ten sixteen. So, yeah. Oh, nice. But when was that? That was at the end of twenty nineteen, about a year ago. About a year ago. Um, so I've only ran the half marathon distance twice. So I ran one eleven and then one ten are my two that I ran. So. Because I remember you ran a half right after I met you in Chicago, and I was feeling like shit about myself because I wanted to be out on the be the fastest dude on the course. And I was like, "Well, <laughs> that's not the case." And then I saw you ran that one. Yeah. Of those. I was like, "Okay, this guy's legit." <laughs> so <it's, laughs> that makes yeah. me feel better. What are some things you do for the half? Like, what do you? What kind of? What's that look like in training? Like, what are some of the workouts that you feel have, have helped even take that minute off? Because I mean, a minute and a half mm-hmm. is a good chunk of time and, and yeah. within a year to take. Yeah, down. so I'm a big advocate for a lot of tempo training a lot of that aerobic threshold training so i'll do a lot of you know steady state you know work beginning the cycle where i'm doing like longer like i'll do 15 miles you know for my long run for the week at at a steady effort and just building that aerobic strength and then throughout the cycle i'll just you know go into more like tempo and half marathon pace specific where i'm doing things like i'll start with like you know four by mile at tempo and then i'll do like you know, six mile, two by four mile and just work on, you know, increasing volume at that, that, that tempo effort uh, throughout the cycle. Are you at, are you at half pace or is your tempo effort like marathon pace? What's that look like? Or is it just off? Heart rate? Uh, no. So, so like my, it's a little bit faster than half marathon pace. So I'll, so it'll be like, so most of my tempo runs are 
right around like 510, 515 range. And then I think 110 is right around 523, 525, somewhere in that range. So we're talking about 10 or so seconds faster than half marathon pace for that tempo run. Hmm. And just working on increasing volume at that effort throughout the cycle. So I'll start with things like, you know, three or four miles of that effort. And then at the end, doing things like four by two miles, doing where I'm doing like eight miles of that effort. That would kind of be like a big workout before that half marathon effort. So, so you don't spend much time at race pace. At all. Um, no, I do. Yeah. So I'll do, I'll do uh, different workouts too, as I get closer. So I, I always try to be the most specific as I get closer to the race. So, so in this last, you know, month or so I, I'll real dial in like, okay, here's my goal pace. I'm going to get, you know, I'll do runs and, and intervals at that pace to get more comfortable. But at the beginning of the, at the beginning of my cycle, I like to do things that are slightly faster than race pace and slightly slower than race pace. And then throughout the cycle kind of bridge and bring that together and focus in on race pace the last like month or so. That's kind of how I tend to, to program a lot. So, yeah. Nice. I like that. And, and working at that sub race pace, kind of like that, that's what like the terminology it's just like, it's not universal. People just like say different stuff for different yeah. things, you know? Like I call that kind of work like mm-hmm. threshold work, like like threshold repeats or I think, I don't know what people call cruise intervals. Yeah, cruise I intervals, just throw yeah, jargon out the yeah, window yeah. anymore. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, yeah. mm, a little fat. Yep. Yeah, right. And like, I like, I like, they're just like, ah, eh, faster than, than half marathon. Yeah. So I'd kind of put that in that threshold range. That's kind of what I would yeah. consider that pace. Cause that's like something that you would be able to hold for like yeah, an exactly. hour, right? Yep. So that'd be, yeah. Yep. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Those are hard, but you can get oh, yeah. really, yep. really fit. I always say like, yeah, the, the, the speed works there to make you more efficient, right? At that, that pace, but really, what really boosts the fitness is that, that hard tempo work is in my opinion, like the biggest thing that can get you, get you fit fast. So, yeah. I like to have that as a constant almost throughout and I'll play with it a little bit. Like I'll keep it right at that kind of like that hour long pace for the majority of things, but sometimes if I'm training for like 5k i'll drop it even faster than that a little bit but still kind of keep it in that mile range or if it's something with a longer race i'll just make it a little bit slower and just kind of like playing around but that'll kind of be my sometimes it's my primary workout sometimes but always it's like a secondary workout that's almost a constant all Mm -hmm. year for me that type of stuff will you have will you have that type of training in your like when you're training preparing for like a 50k yeah so when i'm preparing for like a 50k i'll do a little bit more like marathon pace uh, specific stuff so I'll do okay. a lot more like, so I'll go instead of running at like, you know, like that, that aerobic threshold that we're talking about, like that little bit faster and half marathon pace, I'll bump it, you know, at about, let's see, about 30 seconds or so to that. And I'll do a lot of, you know, things where I'm doing like two by four miles. Now I'm doing more volume, but at a slightly slower, slightly mm-hmm. slower speed, or I'll do what a lot of coaches refer to as like steady state pace, which is just slightly slower than marathon pace. And I'll do, you know, like, hard 15 to 20 milers at that, at that, that pace. And those would be kind of key uh, workouts before the 50 K. So. That's something I kind of neglect. It's like there is slow and then there's like marathon tempo pace. And I don't really have like, I don't work that middle piece very often. Will you do that? Will you have that in your training often or was it more for the longer pieces? Or is that something that you do like to do from now and then like, just be like, okay, I'm going to go run six minutes for, 13 miles. Yeah, so if I'm preparing for like an ultra, I'll do those races as kind of key workouts before I'll just work. I'll, I'll start maybe like, I'll do a few of those before like a key 50k. So I'll start at like 15 miles and then I'll do like, 
18 to 20 and then I'll do one at like for like 23 miles and I'll, I'll do it like that. But if I'm doing yeah. like a, if I'm preparing for like an OCR race, that'd, that'd be like more like at the very beginning of the, of the cycle where I'm you know, working on more, mm. you know, getting that base in before I, you know, progress to more race specific things. So it just depends. I'll definitely have them in every cycle, depending on what I'm preparing for. Just, it depends where I put it for what I'm training for. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like, it's like top down or bottom up, like depending yeah. on whatever the, the goal yeah. of it is. So, yeah. Maybe I'll start doing those for yeah. the off season. I just, yeah. I don't like them. So what I like, <laughs> like for like, like a longer race, I'll start with like shorter races. I'll basically flip a traditional cycle upside down and I'll, I'll do like more like speed work to start. Right. And then I'll go more to like speed endurance threshold and then long steady state and then preparing for like a shorter distance, like road race or OCR, I'll flip it back to what it normally is where I'll do the longer stuff first and get more race specific. So what do you, cause like the, that gives me a perceived exertion, a perceived effort on, on both ends. Right. Like, so if I'm starting fast and then I'm moving into longer intervals, I'd be like, okay. I get to go slower now. That's great. And on the other end, it's like, okay, cool. These are not as long. Also great. Like which one do you prefer? Uh, I prefer starting, starting quicker and progressing to longer, easier efforts. <laughs> the, the things that I, I don't like the most are the, the short, fast intervals. And so if I can get those out of the way first in a the cycle, then I'm most happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the sooner yeah, you can exactly. go slower, I, I the, love the, the better. Best. <laughs> The, cause those hard intervals, those are the ones that scare me. Like the longer, like, yeah, like a 15 miler at, you know, a little bit above marathon pace. Like that's not that scary. That's just like annoying. But if you're like doing like, like quarters or like six hundreds at mile pace, it is. that's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, cause it's like, it's, it's not, it's beyond like your mental ability. It's like, this is just like the physical piece. And if you can't do it, you just yeah. can't do it. Like you're just face to face with like yeah. your limitations in like yeah. 30 yeah. seconds. Exactly. It's like, you know, this is how much is going to suck before you start. And then, you know, so you're, you're just like avoiding it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough, but, uh, but I think, you know, like, but then there's the, the flip side is like, okay, is it really going to suck for like a minute and a half? Right. But then. I get to stop and I get to rest. So there's, there's a light at the end right. of the tunnel. Whereas like you're doing a, if you're doing a long, hard 20, it's like, man, I have to go for like two hours plus, you know, just grinding away. And it's just like that, that long, steady drip of pain rather than a rush of pain. Yeah. So they, they, they both have their own, <laughs> but I prefer the long, steady drip of pain. And I don't know if I think of this just as if I'm wrong in thinking this, but say it's like a, if I'm doing like a tempo progression, it's like, all right, I started like six miles ending at like 10 miles. Like, I don't feel I got any benefit until I'm at like six and a half miles moving into seven miles. I'm like waiting to get better and better. It's like, okay, now I'm here beyond where I was before. Okay. Now the workout actually starts. I don't know if that's right. Probably not. You probably can get get better at more fit just doing six mile tempos over and over, but that's how I feel about it. I'm like, great. I have like, 30 minutes before anything actually works here <laughs> i better not screw this up in the last five <laughs> yeah, minutes no, i agree man yeah those those tempos there yeah I, I feel that way too like you're like all right just waiting and waiting for this you know this rush of pain to set in and it doesn't happen till the till the end after everything accumulates over over that course of the time so yeah and then when it's there like, it's like, answers, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's here <laughs> so what are the goals moving forward like what do you i mean 
say if 2021 is a is a go gets greenlit like what are you yeah what are you gonna do? so i am having uh we're having a kid on january 3rd two months away from that and so just i don't i'm just some uncertainty like how training is going to go during that time and and everything but i know i'm able to to, to get stuff in. And so I, I want to, like I said earlier, I want to try high rocks. They have two high rocks um, races mm. here in SoCal at the end of March and beginning of April in Long Beach and San Diego. And so I plan on doing at least one, if not both of those and just testing it out, see how it goes. Just, just really push as hard as I can. So in the meantime, in the next, over the next few months, that's what I'm going to be catering my training a little bit more to towards. And I think that's why, you know, the, the 15 fours, you know, is a good, you know, kind of goal to go mm. along with that. So I'll be training for the the fifteen four one challenge, also high rocks to start the year, and then I want to transition into more OCR races after that for next year. So, nice. so yeah, that's the goal. So I know they have some, a lot of the OCR races, the Spartan races specifically here in SoCal are at the beginning of the year, and so I'm gonna try to to get in some of those as much as I can too at the beginning of the year. So we'll see. Just trying to gain right. some of that experience that you know we were talking about earlier that I need to get. Do the Saturday race yeah, and both the Sunday race. Yeah, I already have a season pass, so yeah, I'm nice. Looking forward to it. So that's kind of the I want to do high rocks and OCR. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a year focus more on on that type of racing rather than road and trail, and just give it give it a full year, which I haven't done yet. And so I'm kind of excited about that. So yeah, nice. Yeah, because I mean, you might as well find out, right? We've talked about before. It's like see what it is. If you can go all in and and, and see where the results can yeah, exactly. can lead you. You think you can push that sled? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I worry about that sled because I, I love the way high rocks oh, yeah. looks. I'm like, this is yeah. awesome, but that sled's it a is. little. I heard, yeah, pushing the sled is probably the single most difficult thing of the entire competition. So, thankfully, my gym has multiple sleds, and so I'm able to to load it up and practice. So we'll see, though. Are, are you are you thinking about high rocks at all, or yeah, yeah, big time, just like. The, an 8k of uninterrupted running that's not on trails is like yeah. perfect for me <laughs> i mean it's interrupted but like it's yeah. not on trails and it's just like track running essentially like yeah that's that's up my alley and none and like low skill yep. stuff because like yeah if i get tripped up on an obstacle it's one that's like a hanging one or something that is going to be a little bit more skill oriented so yeah. low skill movements just yep. power output it's a pure strength or a pure go. test of fitness so I, I that's why i wanted to give it a go and just yeah, I, I like the idea of it. and just, so. Yeah, the sled worries me. The sled pull, actually. Like the push, like I guess that carpet's a problem and it's kind of a crapshoot for what it's like. It's just like, it's like a different thing. They haven't really figured it out. Every It seems like every event they've had has been, there has been some complaints of this gotcha. carpet, but the, the pull is like going to be a lot of grip strength, right? To try to get, even to try to move that thing. I think that can really be tough be be tough and it's really a long especially for lighter athletes too that yeah it's going to be more of a challenge you get your body weight behind it those heavier athletes definitely have a little bit of advantage on that movement particularly but i think that's what people are doing they're just like walking their hands up and walking backwards they're not not even pulling they're just kind of like walking it and just walking back up and then walking it backwards because it's so grip intensive and, and heavy and it's long that you it's like it adds to it. You can't even get the tension yeah. on the rope. So yeah, I was ready to do high rocks last year. That was in, I wanted to do it so bad that I booked that. I didn't book. I was going to book a flight to SoCal in March, like for no reason. It was in a race that I needed to do. I was yeah. like, I want to do this, but then, you know, yeah, <laughs> COVID. So, <laughs> yeah. so cool, man. Yeah. I like that. So 
Awesome. So be on the lookout for Mike Bailey out there. OCR season 2021. Where can people find you if they want yeah, to follow so you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Michael underscore A underscore Bailey. So Michael A. Bailey. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, those are the two main social media platforms. I'm on Strava too, but those are the main mm-hmm. social media profiles for me. I coach at Run Republic in person. I also have online coaching clients through through me, Ford Fitness and Performance. So I do both in person and online coaching. So yeah, cool. Cool. I'll make sure to link to all that in the show notes. So if people want to reach out, want to learn more about the coaching and there are some, there are some strength or not strength. There are some like one-time templated programs and everything too, right. That are on the, are they template or is it just a monthly that's on the run Republic? So yeah. So run Republic does have, it is individualized. So it's, it, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. So you can check out the, on yep. there and I'll make sure to link to all of the sites in the show notes. So people Sweet. know where to find you, man. So Dude, I appreciate you taking the time. I really enjoy being on Pick Your Brain, talk talk some strengths, talk some running, and just talk some shop, dude. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Cool. So I'm going to hit stop, and we'll go back to that original screen. All right. We'll see you. Okay. That was great. Mikey's a man, and make sure you give him a follow for a lot of good stuff. And again, Strength Training for Runners and Obstacle Course Race Athlete Coaching Program is now live and available for you for just $19 a month. And as an avid listener, I wanted to give you an opportunity to try that first month of training at a deep, deep discount. So here's what you need to do. Just give us a five-star rating and a quick review on iTunes. Take a screenshot of the review and shoot me a message on Instagram, reinforce underscore running underscore rich. Or if you don't have IG, shoot it to my email, rich at reinforcerunning.com. Then we will send you a coupon code so you get credit for one full month of free strength training. I mean, it's basically free. You pay like $1.52 in processing fees. It's not up to me. I would do it for free 99, but the platform won't allow me to do it. So it will cost $8.52, but still seems like a deal. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you and we will talk to you soon.